like Alexander Graham Bell, he wanted uh, he supported forced sterilization of the deaf. Right. right so right. you know, oh, the deaf, the deaf. Oh, that's so an like literally, target. his, in, can we his pile, invention. We don't hear enough about the deaf, right? Can the, we pile on them? Yeah, sure. Fuck the deaf. So they won't be listening. Would you have been mad if I invited a white nationalist to your to your home? No. <laughs> it's no going to be all. like, uh, did you bring, I asked you not to be armed, so <laughs> did you leave that? No, I wouldn't have cared. In your car? All right. Well, if, if that happens. <clears throat> the reason we were ha- having this joke, I don't know if I told you, is that Isaac was on a white nationalist podcast. Really? Uh, not advocating I don't for white say, Don't say white nationalist, because that's not the right word. White nationalists are can be... Arguably non-racist, whereas I, whereas this these, is how Isaac <clears throat> defends white nationalists. No, but I'm saying it's it, it, <laughs> no, it's important to it's important. To, these guys are definitely white nationalists, but they're a step further. Get closer. They genuinely believe in the superiority of the white race over other races, and I I think you know maybe some of them might say no 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 that's not true. But there's definitely a line between your everyday, uh, you know, I just want to be proud of being white and uh, celebrate my country and blah, 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 versus somebody who wants a white ethnostate and in order to get a white ethnostate is willing to throw people out of their state. I mean, that's effectively about as close uh, to a Nazi as you can get. So these guys are white ethnostatists. Like, they want to at all costs, create a white-only country where only white people can come into it. And you say, why? And you say, well, because everybody else doesn't know how to make society. They're lower IQ. We want a future for white children, yada, yada. Yeah. Where Dan and I would be welcomed. That's true. You, would you two yeah. would be welcome. I would not. I would do very well in the white ethno state. <laughs> you would, too. Yeah. You should probably be it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like you would be better off. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to introduce Dan. Dan Dupriel is here. Hi, everybody. How you guys doing? Dan Dupriel. Is... Yes, Dupriel. It's a fancy French last French name. French last name. Cool. Yeah. Is that, what is that from? It's Ita- It's actually Italian by way of France, by way of Ellis Island. So it's just been mangled ah. thrice. Ah. Yeah. It, it really, originally D'April uh, in the Italian, uh, then, but like Northern Italian. So it like mixed with French. Mm. And we came over on Ellis Island. They butchered the spelling. And my grandfather was like, well, we're American now. We'll, we'll just spell it the way they want us to, which is a real like immigrant way to do it. Yeah. Like speaking of like, like ethnocentrist, like they'd be like, no, this is my history. This is my pride. My like, great grandfather was like whatever we'll just spell it the way you want it you want to add an e okay we have an e in right. our name now yeah so yeah. disney is originally from there's this commune on the coast of normandy called Isigny, and a bunch of normans went to ireland and that became disney d-i-s-n-e-y d-i-z-n-e-y like of disney like duh of, of a signal yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and Sydney. then Irish immigrants came over here in the 1800s. So a okay. lot of people assume Disney is a French name, but it is kind of, sort of, but at least where I'm from, it's more Irish. So yeah. we're interbred with the Irish peoples. Yeah. Those mongrels. Yeah, yeah. the French The French uh, applied a lot of last names to like the British Isles and the UK. They like really thrust a lot of their, their yeah. words and surnames onto, uh, onto the UK. Yeah. Simpson derives from the ancient... 
Gaelic meaning man of huge penis. It's a little a hilarious joke. Yeah. Sure, sure. Really. Sure. A joke is hilarious when you <laughs> have to say afterwards that it's hilarious. That's a hilarious joke, <laughs> that's, right, guys? That's how you know. Right? <laughs> This well, is a I'm genealogy podcast. Yeah, we'll be yeah. Talking uh, a little bit about... Simpson, Simpson. I think that's a uh, that's like a it's Scottish or yeah, I think it's Scottish. I want to say, even though my family is probably just English. Simpson. Hmm. It's, it means Simonson. Oh. oh, yeah. They throw the P in there because penis because of the big. It's the big P. I'm really gonna. <laughs> trying to make this work. If there's if there's one moral that we'll get from this podcast, it's that Isaac's got a huge penis. Yeah. yeah. And he won't put it away. Yeah. That's the weird not, thing for us. I will laying, not have it put away. It's laying on a sixteenth of this table. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a ruler off. next to it. He's really trying to hammer this point <laughs> Guys, home. Gross. <laughs> I learned that one of my uh great 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 grandparents was a slave owner. Oh, wow. congrats. Oh. Yeah. Congratulations. So at yeah. least, hey, you got, you know, you're on the right side of that equation, right? Am uh, I right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I, I've, I told that to somebody in my family and I know Isaac doesn't like the term white fragility, but you could really see it happen <laughs> in real time because they immediately pivoted the discussion. They're to, like, yeah, great. <laughs> uh, anyway. They're like, oh, but they, they were very involved with uh, the Salvation Army. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's all right. They ran soup kitchens. Yeah. Yeah. They just, that's for their mean. slaves. But yeah. it's going to be a great joke premise for you one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it already is. I'm already, I'm already <laughs> testing it out. <laughs> So we're, slave owner jeans, isn't that hilarious? Yeah, uh, Hartwell seat. Yeah, not a. Good, Why don't we ever talk about the people in Africa who benefited from the slave trade? <laughs> 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 well, like, what's going on with them? Did, are, did, are they still like enriched from that? Oh, do you you mean like what is their current status now? Yeah, like the people who were the ones selling the slaves in Africa. Oh, okay. who, who was that? Was that a was that a group? I'm sure it was the white man, and so I'm sure well, we're going to blame was, the white man for it somehow. But there was, I mean, that was a problem. Like African tribes would go to war, uh, and they would like capture their rivals and then just sell them to white men. Like right. they, there were African tribes that were involved <clears throat> in the slave trade. Well, sure. I mean, there had to be right. Somebody yeah. was selling right those people. I, it wasn't just like we're going in the forest and putting chains on them. I mean, it was a transactional. I think thing, I right? think there was a variety of different methodologies involved yeah. for sure. Well, we, uh, yeah. the the point is we never learned this story because there's another side to this. I mean, do you know slavery was uh, legal in Africa until 1982? Wow, is that insane? In what sense? It was le- it was a legal a- thing. I mean, across it was, it was, all of Africa, yeah. it's a large continent. Oh no, no, I mean, in in some countries, oh, it, it, well. the last the, okay, the last country <laughs> to make it illegal. There's a very big difference between <laughs> legal in Africa, legal in the country of Africa, <laughs> <laughs> versus some places in Africa where it was still on the no, books. No, and it was legal there. It was a common practice, and there far far before white men ever arrived. It was a big Arab thing. I mean, it was an Arab-driven mm-hmm. thing, and white men were like later on we're like oh okay we'll we'll get in on this but it was actually a widespread practice in africa for a but do time. you see why people get annoyed with that yes because people hate white people that yeah, argument i do, I do no, no 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 what just kidding. because that argument often gets used as a pivot to not discuss uh issues that are happening in the united states it's a, it's kind of this like you know 
distraction, a red herring, if you will. Sure. I mean, I yes, that would be interesting that. for me to hear about what happened to them. But a lot of the time, well, the reason I think Dan and I were laughing was, uh, be, you know, why why don't we ever hear about that? Well, because it's not the United States, so it's not as relevant to the discussion. No, of course it's not. I completely agree that that is not relevant to the discussion of if we're talking about the United States. But if we're talking about moral debts that you have simply for being born a certain skin color, I would say that that is relevant because, you know... But people don't aren't talking about moral debts because you're born a certain skin color. Well, some talk people about are talking moral about moral debts because you're born a certain skin color in the United States of America. <clears throat> you know. Well, I would say when people say all white people are the problem and they've been doing this forever, which some people are saying, I'm not saying you're saying that, but some people are saying, uh, you know, white people are the problem. People who think that, uh, they are making that sort of judgment. And that's problematic to me. I mean, ultimately, look, ultimately, most reasonable people all agree on the same shit. I think right. we all agree that you shouldn't be judged by your skin color, right? No. That's what we agree on. And there are bad actors out there or idiots who don't understand what that means. And they don't care about the principle. They care about being racist. I mean, that's what they, they want to be racist. They want to blame their problems on black people, Jewish people, white people whoever it is, and unfortunately, we get bogged down in that. I mean, that's that bogs us all down. It harms all of us. Sure. I do think it's funny, though. That is an interesting point. I To go with what you were saying, Charles, It's if you're bringing it up in response to, like, a criticism of someone or society or something, it's totally a pivot, right? Yeah. Because you have to look at the context in which you say it. Well, it is an interesting thought, like— you know, you, I'm sure you can look at the South like those old money Southern families and be like, oh, yeah, like you built this on the backs of human beings. But it is an interesting thought, like just like rhetorically, like are there people like that in Africa? Are there people in like with estates? Who still have like a plantation right. home. Yeah, from right. years in Ghana or whatever, from years ago that was like, oh, this is where they sold the slaves. Yeah. Right. And I think like if you take like say like an, an individual plantation owner and then like an individual that was heavily involved on the right. African side in the slave trade, I think they're both as morally culpable right. okay, yeah, for, the, for the slave trade, you know. But <laughs> I do agree. For the larger societal point, like you said, this is America. That was really, there's a lot more going on over there. Like, ancient tribal enmities and warfare and thing that were things that were going on that then would result in part sometimes in the end result of like them trading slaves to white men. Whereas I think like this was a system in America cultivated to exploit people. Like it was right. set up from the start that way. Sure. Sure. No, I mean, I don't disagree with that. And <clears throat> slavery is terrible. You know, slavery is a problem and we're still paying for it today. And it still exists today. <clears throat> sure. In all kinds of different ways. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that the people working at Foxconn in China are slaves in their own way, and they're enslaved by a neoliberal, globalized group who doesn't want us to see that. Anyway, that's that's sort of besides the point. I think um, the the issue that I take, though, is that why are we so insistent on being reductive about these questions? What why Why is talking about the blacks that benefited from the slave trade or mentioning there were a lot of black slave owners in America, including I think the largest slave owner who knows what kind of Nazi propaganda I've been reading, but maybe, you know, (laughs) at least I've heard that, uh, (laughs) um, 
Your that, footnotes include the Daily Stormer. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, right. Um, it, it, who it, that there were uh, white slaves and there were black uh, slave owners, big black slave owners in America. And why is that so? Why do we need to be so reductive that we can't talk about that? But what is the purpose of talking about that? Because history is complicated. It's a complicated thing. And sure. the the end game of history should never be, oh, this uh, group of people's bad. <laughs> you know, I mean, that that's not the point of s- studying history to decide that white uh, people are but culpable. You're kind of, but you're kind of talking about two different things. It's one thing to talk about studying history because that's interesting and you want to get a full picture of history, but you also want to talk about what the reasons uh, that exist for a certain situation, right? Sure, and you don't want to get people to... I, I understand what and you're because saying. You don't want people to scramble out of actually confronting it, Because right? black people yeah. in Africa selling other black people into slavery uh, is not really the root of what people would describe as white supremacy in the United States. Right. Okay. Those are they're kind of separate issues. Well, so yeah, sure. bringing that up as, you know, if you talk about why uh, certain populations are underprivileged or certain populations have these issues to bring in to say, well, black people were selling each other into slavery in Africa as the kind of answer to that question. You're just not answering the question that's being asked. Right. Right. And I, and I think it taps into kind of what you're trying to say, Isaac, because there's a lot of people that that are trying to take that historical culpability that I think exists uh, a little bit, but they try to make it like a moral culpability of like someone living in 2017 sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think that pivot is almost the same thing in reverse where it's like, well, yeah, but come on, you know, like a few black people sold slave, like relatively it feels like I do agree that it's interesting and it's like an interesting thought experiment, you know, because slavery isn't something that we can plant a flag in one day and be like, it's over. There will never be another slave. You know, it's like a dark side of humanity that could just show up again at any time uh, on HBO. And uh, <laughs> the, uh, But I think that it's like when you try to point out like, well, there were black people culpable in the slave trade too. It almost like is doing what some of those petty people do when they're like, I'm tired of hearing white people talk about whatever issue. You know what I mean? It's like, they're trying to throw that like moral culpability on you for like a historical sin. Yeah. And I think that it's important to acknowledge the historical sin and to realize that we still totally. have to oh, absolutely. work. Cause even beyond slavery, like reconstruction, the Jim Crow laws, all that stuff, that's still like were great sins that the, that the white community were doing onto the black and other, but it wasn't the way. See, here's the problem. It wasn't the white community. The, it, to, to view the white community as a monolith like that is totally wrong. It was the things themselves were the sins. The sin was not the color of the skin of the people doing them. As you're saying, we should absolutely remember Jim Crow. We should absolutely remember slavery. And we should absolutely uh, li- um, create legislation, which we have done overwhelmingly, to ensure that that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore, right? Because it is unjust, unjust. But that's what you do. You don't then say, as you said, white people were doing X or Y, because that's just not true. Many, many, the vast, overwhelming majority of white people were doing the exact opposite thing. 
Exact opposite of what? Of Jim Crow laws, slavery, this, all these things. You know, slavery was slavery was a three percent of America at that time, or what? You know, three percent. I forget if it's three percent of the population or the economy, but it was a very, very small percentage of the shit that was going on at that time. And to say that all, uh, white people in general were doing this is just not true. I I understand the point that you're making. I I don't know that you're you're not wrong in saying that it, you can't assign culpability to all white people for slavery, but you can say that white people were not slaves generally, like the majority of white people were not, not slaves. Like ancient times, yeah, yeah. So we we just don't have the like we weren't brought over to the United States as slaves. Right, we're all people that were fleeing, you know, religious oppression, or we were coming over as immigrants at some point. But we we're not really tied to the bondage of slavery. So we have a we have a kind of benefit, not a benefit, but we have a, a leg up on the large majority of people that were black that were brought over here as slaves, and that's where the root of being in America comes from. Like we're coming from very different origins in the United States. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think you're kind of simplifying the argument a little bit by saying they're just saying that, oh, all white people are bad because all white people were slave owners and that's not really what they're, what the counterpoint you're is. You're saying that the non-white people, although that would only mean black people, not brown people, right? We're saying that black people are a different status. We're saying that they have a lower status because of this thing. We're, we're not saying anything about white people. We're basically saying something about the other group. But when you're talking about white supremacy, you're not just talking about the relationship between blacks and whites. You're talking about the relationship between Africans and whites. You're talking about the relationship between Hispanics and whites. You're even talking about the relationship between Asian people and whites to a sure. certain degree. And, the, and they're all so, kind of so different. So therefore, you right. can't say that it's just rooted in this one relationship of slavery versus non-slavery. You know, you, this but I'm is not a larger say- thing. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But well, the ideas you're, you're of white kind supremacy of conflating a bunch of different. Also, I think there's an issue between, and this isn't uh, just you, Isaac, I think you're reacting to it a little bit. And I think that this is something, uh, just a limitation of language, is that people tend to default to shorthand, trying to express ideas and trying to let context kind of fill in the rest so that we can have like a conversation that isn't like uh, infinite jest style deviation of footnotes to qualify everything. And so I think a lot of times, and I think you can kind of tell in how people speak, like some people ignorant people will say like white people or black people or something and be like, Oh, you really mean all white people or you really mean all black people. But I think largely when people say white people, there is an unspoken context. White people, white people. Why did I say that? I I like how they say that on Twitter now. Oh yeah. Why people? people. (laughs) But But I think a lot of times that white people is a shorthand (laughs) for the white power structure. You know what I mean? So like they're they're saying white people, but they're not necessarily criticizing if they're doing historically the thousands, tens of thousands of abolitionists. Right. Exactly. Uh, But that still 
it's going to be hard to have any constructive conversation when you're trying to talk about those power structures and then you would have to deviate and qualify every non-offender, you know? And is it right? No. And I think like it kind of taps into that white fragility thing a little bit and that it is important to make that clear. But at the same time, like I think a lot of times there's like a context there where it's like we as as white people in that conversation should know that a lot of times they're talking about the power structure, which but is why, also why acting do on we whites. do that? Uh, I mean, I see what you're saying. But what, I don't think it's anyone's job, though, to do that calculus for anybody else. And if we mm-hmm. care about not generalizing based on color, color, based on race in these ridiculous ways that create racism and stupid judgments that aren't re- if, aren't good or healthy for society or anyone. I don't think it makes too much sense to do that calculation for other people. You know, I mean, I guess it's like if I was to sit here and say, oh, yeah, women uh, don't invent anything. Am I talking about all women ever? Somebody who agrees with me can say, oh, no, no, he doesn't. He, of course, doesn't mean all women. He's just saying you know, 99% of the inventions in history come from men. But is that really helpful? I mean, like, no. You should say to me, like, uh, that's bullshit. You know, you can't make women a monolith that can't invent shit. <laughs> and in the same way, if somebody's saying, oh, white people are, uh, you know, they're the fucking problem, you know, that they're the slave owners, they're the blah, blah, blah. If they're saying something like that, I think somebody should say to them, uh, excuse me, like, no, that's not, you know, that's not true. Yeah, but yeah. you would say that about anybody that was kind of talking in those monolithic ways. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. If people are talking in those monolithic ways, they should be told to not talk that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless they're a comedian and then it's funny. I, I like <laughs> that we've somehow gotten three white people to talk about this. I was going to mention that. I was like, thank you for inviting me, the whitest man you know, Charles <laughs> Disney, to talk now about Now let's try to solve black. some more racial problems. Let's, let's just... Yeah, Isaac likes to say that. <laughs> but, I mean, this is what I'm kind of talking about. Like, people will say, like, white people problems, right? That usually means, like, the shittiest, like, most privileged right, problems yeah, you can have. Sure. But that, like, is, like, that's that shorthand. Like, yeah. we know right. it doesn't mean oh, white, white people, people yeah, don't yeah. have problems and white people don't suffer from poverty and, uh, you know, some forms of different discrimination, maybe not based on their skin, but, like, a white female is going to have discrimination. A disabled white person is going to experience discrimination. So I think, like... There's that shorthand with the words white people that I think causes a lot of problems because people confuse it. Same thing like you just said. There's the same thing with people. Men do this a lot. Like uh, uh, we'll say like women do this. Women right. suck. Women are shallow. But they don't mean women. They, they mean, mean whatever all, woman they're they thinking have, of. Yes. And, and, yeah. the, and again, I don't want to say that we should police language to the point where we can't say shit like that. Uh, you know, yeah, you should be able to make those generalizations. I mean, comedy, again, is based 100% on people like white people will be like this. And, yeah, that's Dan's, you know, that's Dan's mean, that's, entire act. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clearly <laughs> you've seen uh, Russell Simmons' Death Comedy Jam 1997. I was on it. <laughs> Black people be like, bitch, 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 where Indian people, we do not treat our women in such a way. <laughs> that's what? Okay. <laughs> From Family Guy. Uh, anyway. <laughs> in a room with people who don't watch Family Guy, that was yeah. very unusual. <laughs> Um, 
No, I, I so like yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, all right, we good. should be able to toss that shit around. But it's got to be even then, you know? It's got to be fair. If if uh, y- I got to be able to say black people be like this, and black people got to say white people be like this, and, you know, hey, we're we're making stupid generalizations and we know it, and that's fine. And I'll tell you, I think that, and I don't know where you are from originally, Isaac, but I know you're from Baltimore. The Bal- no. Or you... What? No. <laughs> From the streets I don't even of know Baltimore. I don't even know my own friends. Very well. uh, I've been to Baltimore twice. <laughs> so I thought you, you were from there, basically. I thought you were from. Uh, your dad went to school like right down the street from where I grew up. Uh, my dad is from Philadelphia. That's yeah. true. Or but was I, from Philadelphia. The point is, is you're like an, you have an East Coast mentality. Uh, I, I, I come from East Coast progenitors. Right. Okay. And I lived in New York for a few years. Okay. And... Th- the south for right. a few years now. So my point of this is I think that in the East Coast, I think because we have East Coast cities, which are more like European cities, we're kind of mashed on top of each other and you kind of have diversity thrust upon you. And because of that, I think one of the benefits that I think is a little less here on the West Coast in the language is that ability. I think like a lot of people like... New Yorkers talk much more freely about racial issues and things like that. And there's a little bit of the like that barb that people feel yeah. is a little less. Maybe it's because we have thicker skin or we pride ourselves on not taking offense. But I think that honestly that uh, I actually kind of hate that surly East coaster attitude. But I think when you come to discussions of like inequality, race, class privilege and things, I think it's actually a benefit because you don't necessarily have to parse yourself not to offend somebody right. or to worry somebody like I, it, it, there's this idea of like, yeah, I'll say white people. And if you have a problem with it, say it, but then we'll hash it out. You know, right. there is no like, now I'm offended that you said that we can't continue on this conversation. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that there's a lot of that with, with when talking about like, oh, women, white people, like any sort of monolithic group. I think people tend to want to immediately take offense and then operate from a defensive position, which doesn't re- then you're staking out positions and trying to win rather than trying to like, come to some sort of a not accord but understanding or some sort of like dialectical agreement and i think that um in a way giving yourself the permission to offend people and be offended in a good way like out of like maybe ignorance or trying to understand but not insulting or demeaning i think that that's something that we are kind of losing a little bit in the culture which is actually complicating that ability to like find that understanding yeah you Dan- can't offend anyone anymore. Right. It's like offense is now become like a physical injury. Right. It's a violent act. Yeah. Which is probably not not great. And Dan knows because he just got back from how long were you over there? I was in New York for four, three, four months, and I was in Philly wow. for uh, whatever, the rest of the year, eight months. Yeah. So what were you doing yeah. over there? Uh, well, I grew up in the Philly area, so uh, I was I went back to help my parents fix their house up, and I nice. originally moved out. I went to New York uh, to work on a feature film. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's been immersed in East Coast world surliness. Sure How does it feel to be back? Uh, interesting, interesting. It's, uh, you know, it wasn't so long that I completely forgot what it was like to live in LA, but, uh, it was long enough to give me like a fresh perspective on like that LA bullshit, you yeah. know? And the comedy world has its own very specific kind of bullshit as Charles will acknowledge that it's like, it's nice to have thickened my skin again to rethicken my skin because it, it i feel like it affects you a little bit like what's the, la comedy bullshit in a nutshell um, in one, one sentence well a lot of it kind of ties into that idea let me try to distill it into a like a, a premise um 
New Yorkers don't. I don't know. That's kind. Of, that's really tough to do it in one sentence. Okay, it doesn't have to be two uh, sentences. Yeah. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. One and a half. Give you a hundred uh, for ten more. words. <laughs> yeah, make it a tweet. A tweet. Um, yeah. What's your tweet? I would say. I would say just that. Uh, uh, and it's not again monolithic, but uh, I think that the, it, on the East Coast, people are a lot more. A, there's a lot less politics because people take themselves a lot less seriously. Like even in New York City, it's a little more like. Um, People introduce themselves when they like you, not because they think you can help them. Things like that. Right, That's like the obvious right, level. Right. But then there's also like a level of like people here feel like there's more responsibility in comedy. Like I have a responsibility because I'm on the stage to represent the world I want to see uh. rather than tell the jokes I want to tell. And I think on the East coast, like I said, it probably ties into a little more of that. We're all kind of on top of each other and we are forced to reckon with each other a little more. Yeah. You need the discharge. It's like more necessary to like make fun of these things because you need that relaxation of like these tensions that we have. Right. Whereas in LA it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm a, I'm an activist on stage. Right. Like for instance, I have a joke that essentially the whole premise is I think it's silly that we have decided that vans are the vehicle of rape. Right. But, and I never make a rape joke. There is no victim in the joke. Uh, but I say the word rape once I did. I used to say it twice, but I still it down to once and literally like on the East coast, it gets laughs on the West coast. It gets no, don't go there. Yeah, yeah I got yeah. booed at an open wow. mic once just because yeah. you said the word yeah. rape, and that's, that's the LA so thing. Someone it was me, me doing it. Yeah, <laughs> so, and it's literally a joke about vans versus boats. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Which and, is a hilarious premise, right? And it's true. I, it's funny, it's right? Funny and it joke. taps into the idea of like, and it's so funny because it illustrates the idea perfectly. Because I'll give you the one little line that that causes people's uh, butts to tighten up. Uh, vans have only been around for about. 60 70 years like what about boats where you find pirates for centuries history's biggest sexual offenders yeah but your douchebag friend never nudges you at the marina like yo check out the rape boat <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> it's a good joke right be, and it's the idea of like we can yeah. go like people will be like how dare you yeah. make fun of victims oh look at the rape van yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. like how is that okay for you to say and i but, can't say but right. then if anybody mentions the word rape it's like oh now you are endorsing it yeah yeah. And I thought it was always funny that <laughs> vans got to be rape. called rape vans for by everybody. Right. And, uh, and like, well, this is a very important distinction to make because this actually just happened in the literary world. And there's something happening here. That's actually very interesting to call attention to where now SJWism has gotten so bad that simply the presence of the content of the idea right of something even if it's being condemned or mocked is enough to get you censored so another sjw wrote a book all about you know big allegory for white people and s slavery yada yada i forget exactly what it's called it's one of these fantasy ya the black books. witch yeah the black witch yeah, fantasy ya about. book and the book was clearly an allegory for the classic SJW story of a, the oppressed, the oppressor, you know, the oppressed are the good guys, the oppressor is the bad guys. What are the characteristics of the oppressed? Oh, it's very similar to the Western world and everything, right? So there was all this supremacy on the oppressor side of we're better than the mixed race people who were underneath, 
And I think it was like that werewolves and other things were un- an underclass. Were an underclass. And yeah. there's oh, this okay. like pure blood. It's kind of like the upper mud class. blood. Pure blood yeah, like They like right, ate right. mayonnaise, went to musicals. Yeah. Like they didn't spell it out, but <laughs> yeah. we knew. Yeah. We knew what they were saying. It was signaling. Yeah. So, but I mean, this is obviously an allegory about how that's bad. I mean, that this is the bad guy yeah. is like that. And they're giving us all these cues of why this is the bad guy. A woman wrote a review of it. And she took clips of like the bad guys talking to each other and saying like, oh, these like dirty, impure, mixed race people. And she said like, can you believe this sentence is in this book? Yeah. There's like a major disconnect there. I mean, there's a ma- there's something happening there Yeah. that is very, very strange, which is that just the presence of the words are not okay. The presence of the idea of purity, even in the context of it being totally condemned, is now something that will get your book piled on. And, you know, it was a big uproar yeah. against this I read, I read a story writer. About that. And I think a lot of that, though, is not only will get your book piled on, it'll get that person's blog a lot of traffic. Yeah. I well, think true. that's the idea. True. True. In that sense, like, hey, any publicity is good publicity. Probably that book is now going to sell twice as much than it was. Well, or not even that. I meant yeah. like for the critic. Oh, the for the critic. critic. Right, right. I think right, a lot right. of this, like you mentioned, uh, SJW. It's weird to actually hear someone say it. Right. SJW. I've almost never seen it. Well, it's also a question of is it what what's scarier if she is doing that in bad faith? And she's just like, I'm or just she's gonna, just or, dumb. Or, or she's, or she's <laughs> that stupid. If she's that blind. I think she's that stupid. And I think that. I think it's a huge mistake to keep using the term SJW. Well, how else do we describe this? I like, thing? there's this book that came out recently and I read a review of it. It's called Kill All Normies. Yeah. It's like a history <laughs> sure. of 4chan and right, et cetera. Yeah. And they, the term that gets used. You read that? I, I read the review. I yeah. want to read the you book. You sent me a great it. article about the rise of 4chan uh, yeah. a couple months ago. And it's, it's actually, the review con- it goes against that that article too it says that article is not entirely accurate either hmm. but the term they keep using i think in the book is tumblr liberalism which yeah. i which okay. i like a lot better because when you say social justice warrior you seed you know actual concerns of social justice which do exist like you know you want you want right Increased right, sure, like sure. Martin Luther King was a social justice warrior. Exactly. No, oh yeah. yeah. No, so you see, that's kind of what I like about it, though. What I like about that word is that it does it doesn't contain a spin of its own. It's almost like it almost makes them sound cool, <laughs> you know. Like and, they, like, and that's almost, you know, and that's the problem is that is that people hear that and they assume that this kind of online Tumblr activism where you're performatively liberal. Is is social justice uh, promotion, which it isn't. It's just being a dick bag and yeah. and and worrying about right. stuff. It gives them too I, much credit. I kind of agree with you in that I'm not sure that there should be an umbrella term for like Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, and then also somebody <laughs> who just screeches on Tumblr. Like yeah. I don't think they should be the same. Blue haired feminists yeah. of, of Tumblr. Yeah, yeah, that should not be the same category. And well, I, they're not. I mean, I like. I know it's true. A, technically, uh, I know it's sarcastic, yeah, but it's only just, sarcastic on one side. It also sounds kind of racist, doesn't it? When you say SJW, it sounds kind of like Jew. Yeah. Jew. Like yeah. it sounds like you're being like a single racist. Jewish woman. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean yes, because I want to go on yeah. record to say I love SJWs. <laughs> I've read threads where people were confused about what 
SJW stood for, right? and they, yeah. they did think it meant single Jewish woman. Oh, wow. So oh, my God. It's, it's coming around because I've had a joke for a year and a half about being called an SJW online. And I remember when I started telling it, people kind of just stared at me, and I had to, like, stop and explain. Now I don't have to. Like, it's part of the it. greater culture. How funny is it also that in the mind of the white supremacist, it's like, an SJW is a single Jewish female. Like that's literally exactly what is driving SJWism is single Jewish women. Yeah. I, uh, I, so yeah, I think that, I mean, that's definitely a prevalent thing. I mean, I've seen, Dan was just mentioning that I've seen that kind of low level shitty fake wokeness in comedy. I was at an oh, open yeah. mic and I was sitting there and this girl gets up and she's obviously uncomfortable and people are uncomfortable. They start talking about people in the crowd. Yeah. And she was described, she's like, Oh, there's two white guys sitting back there. And, you know, I'm sure they're cool or whatever. And then there was this Chinese guy here, and he was very funny. Wasn't Chinese, though. Was Japanese. Yeah. That was my favorite part. And I'm like, you're trying, you're trying so hard to appear to be, like, this culturally aware person, and you're just making it worse for yourself. Yeah. Like, Remember you when I got heckled by that blue-haired feminist woman? Well... <laughs> I mean, look, hey, the comedy, I'm not a good comedian, obviously, as we've learned several times already on this podcast, but... <laughs> he went to the Lexington open mic. Oh, yeah, no, and, and I got up there and I didn't even start, I barely started talking at all. And mm, that's not my recollection. One, okay, what's your recollection? My rec- I don't remember your jokes that you made, but I remember you, you, you made a joke that was not good and also uh, provocative, and yeah. that combination is very dangerous. When, All right, whatever. So, but she immediately, this blue-haired woman in the front office, front audience, immediately just started like yelling shit. Yeah, at she me. was being I, shitty. And I then her like set, her set was all about me. Yeah. Oh, see, that's what I don't like. Uh, I've been at mics like that too. Uh, in fact, uh, that that rainbow joke that I was talking about, I was at a mic once, and I sat at the mic. I went early, ended up sitting there for an hour and a half because the mic had this tendency of it was a very like open-minded liberal, and I'm using air quotes here, uh, east side mic. And I told this joke and nobody liked it. And I knew that like at least three or four people were just salivating at the chance to make their set shitting on me. So I sat at the whole mic just, just to like yell them. back, like yeah, you don't yeah. get the context of the joke. Like, yeah. I was so ready, <laughs> but like it never happened because I was there. But yeah. like, oh, okay. there, there are people that have that cachet of like, I'm going to now make this about you. And at a mic, this is a completely different thing than what we're talking about. But that should be, even if you're saying reprehensible shit, which I'm sure you weren't. I'm sure you just said something eh, like, well. okay, I'll trust Charles on that. Uh, you seem like a nice man, but you know. You, uh, but yeah, so uh, I think that uh, I think that there's this like, Open mic should be a safe space. I think the comedy, that's the one thing that we should give ourselves is the ability to be super wrong. And I think right. they should have come yeah. to you afterwards and been like, hey, I don't think that was right because of this reason. And then give you the opportunity if you were to be a dick back and then make your mind up. Right. You know okay. what I mean? Sure. Just no, try and shit out on stage. Exactly. You got to be able to like have a cauldron of exper- you know, the primordial ooze of comedy where you're experimenting with all types of different shit. Anyway, I didn't really give a fuck. Afterwards, she got up and said I was the personification of Connecticut, which I actually took as a compliment. Hmm. And But it was just such a classic. It was like I could not, you know, I got up there in a polo shirt. I'm a white guy who's not, you know, like, I just look normal as fuck. And you got like an all American. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she, she. Even though he's got Jew inside know, of him. Oh, Jew. shit. Never mind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and she immediate you know it's resentment 
I mean, that's what it is. It is resentment. She seems some. She sees somebody like me, and I feel this. I feel this when I walk around, and just the sight of me makes her angry. You know, just me mm-hmm. going about my business without, like, paying attention to her makes her mad because she. I mean, the honest truth, the honest belief I have about this is that she has gone her whole life being ignored by, like, the cool kids. Not that I'm a fucking cool kid, because I'm not, but I, like, she does, like, a quick math equation in her head where, like, oh, he's a bro, he's a frat boy, those guys never paid attention to me, I'm angry, and therefore fuck him. And I'm going to find some reason to justify my anger towards him. It's probably a little more complicated than that. Because she didn't have that problem when I went up there, so that's true. Uh, and I'm a also, racist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I, true. No, you're right. I'm you're also right. a broy looking, somewhat broy white person. And for LA, you have a very you're like super, your personality and persona is very dark, which yeah. people right. will part will parse incorrectly here much more than elsewhere in the world. Yeah. So what do you explain? What's the difference there? Do you explain just well, the shitty racist joke that I told, or you know? I don't. If we knew, if we remembered the, it's too bad you didn't record it. We could listen to it. But yeah. if you, we don't remember what the joke was, but you you said something, and so that because here's playing devil's advocate, even though I don't think which she should be yelling shit out. Even if she hate, I just, I get annoyed by that. It's just to shut up, you know, and, and do your time when you need to. But yeah. in her defense, instead of it being about her being ignored by those people, she's probably had to deal with a lot of shitty guys that look like you, especially if you're in comedy. Like women get harassed in comedy. Good point. By guys that look like us all the time. It's nearly constant. And well, women, what does that mean? What do you mean they get harassed well, all the here, time? By guys here's like a perfect this. example. And like this is asked out. Like, it, that's not harassed. Well, it is hard to... It, this is something that, that you might not have the perspective on not being in comedy. I was shocked the, when I started and got deeper in, like, how many reprehensible dudes are in comedy. They don't make it very far, usually, but they're there at what the open mic. What does that mean? What does reprehensible mean in this context? So, like, what do they do? Um, You know... Uh, sexually assault women, mm-hmm. uh, rape women. There's lots of rapiness. That Try to happens. overtly trade spots for sex and things like that. Yeah, say shows. hey, if you can get on my show if you if you blow me, or or just you know I I'm friends with uh, a comedian who she would show me the Facebook messages she'd right. get, and the only Facebook messages I ever get from anybody are like hey can you put me on this thing or hey can you do the show. She would get like shirtless pics unsolicited from dudes that she'd met at a comedy show or an open mic. Just some guy like sending her a shirtless picture and not somebody she'd expressed interest in or, hey, let's go on a date or anything like that. Just a, uh, just a casual acquaintance going, here is a shirtless pic of me, which is weird. That, okay, that's weird. That is a very, very far cry from sexual assault. But I'm, you know, I, I don't know anyone personally that has a sexual assault story that I feel right. willing to tell. Okay, no, that's but fine. But this is this is the other thing is that even on a surface level, and a woman described this recently on Facebook, she she did some mic or a show or something, and immediately after she got off stage, two men individually came up to her and gave her notes on her jokes. And this is not something that I... Nobody ever comes up to me no. and gives me notes. Doesn't really happen. Because I'm a man. Yeah, but Because be, women aren't funny? Uh, but even, even men coming up. <coughs> you know, it's bullshit that women aren't funny. Tina Fey is obviously funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There and, are so and many. And so is Maria Bamford. 
Yeah, Maria Bamford's great. But see, when people say women aren't funny, again, here now I'm doing the shorthand for these people, but uh, they're saying that they're they're talking about the other side of what you're talking about, which is that let's table this. Women get privilege also. They, yeah, they get they get judged by their tits, and they get you know uh, probably asked out all the time and creepy shit, right? Totally. But the other side of that is that it is a lot easier for a woman to be appreciated as a comic than it is for a man. Much easier. And I think I, say, that, I would honestly disagree with you on you that. You know really? what? We, let's table this because we have a female comedian we can talk to about Perfect. this. <laughs> so we can table that part of it. But I, I, I do want to get back to, before we wrap up... I Wasn't do, there a point of this where we were going to talk about something we, actual we, Trump? We got, we I think Trump? we were going to talk about accelerationism. <laughs> we got, uh, we got very distracted as we always do. Uh, accelerationism is the idea, at least this is what you told me going in, is that the idea that... Um, Trump's election was good, and some people actively voted and supported Trump for this reason because they so, thought see, it would yeah, right. accelerate right, the right, right. decline of the, the power structure and the, the establishment. White, the white people. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, if you thought that people. Trump was going to take down white people, uh, you definitely were supporting him for the wrong reasons. Well, it depends but, on which white people we're right. talking about. People are talking Although about like, I guess we're, you're right in both senses that the establishment white people have not been harmed by right and nor would they were they ever going to be but that's how he portrayed (laughs) himself and a lot of people regardless like um for instance uh like i am a marxist and uh differentiated by a socialist and that i only am focused on the revolution well you can invite me back and we can talk about that but uh (laughs) the uh i don't care about rebuilding the society let me ask you this though let me ask you this why did you become a marxist uh, college. I am exactly what Fox News warns against. I went to college and I came out like a raging Marxist. Really? Dude, and well, you read the I Communist had, Manifesto? And, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Marx and Engels, I've read all that. Yeah. Uh, like, I did it, I did it like for real. I'm not just like, yeah, I want money, Marxism. Like, I, and that's why I also differentiate myself between a socialist because I, uh, as a Marxist, I actually read the literature. Now, you also, read, I, you ever read Marx on the Jewish problem? <laughs> no, I have not read Marx on the he's Jewish got a, He's got a really he crazy Jewish essay. Never re- uh, research your heroes because you'll always find awful <laughs> shit. Like Alexander Graham Bell, he wanted, uh, he supported forced sterilization of the deaf. Right. right so, right. you know, of oh, the deaf. The deaf. Oh, that's so, an like, literally, his, in, Can we his pile, invention. There, we don't hear enough about the deaf. Right. Can the, we pile on them? Yeah, sure. Fuck the deaf. So they won't be listening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, don't research your heroes. But yes, uh, I think that uh, for accelerationism, I didn't like uh, support this before the election, but I thought it was my silver lining to kind of cope with uh, what I felt is probably one of the worst elections in history, which is uh, like Slavoj Zizek. I don't really support him. I think he's kind of uh, goofy, but he before the election wanted Trump to win right. because he feels like. Trump, and I think this is kind of happening a little bit, is ripping the veneer off of like toxic capitalism. Like wow. he's I he's mean, showing us the kind of true. I mean, in it, a lot has come to the fore that was not at the fore before, at right. least in some level. And I mean, I'm I'm one of these people that you're talking about. I also used to call myself a Marxist. So I read the Communist Manifesto a few years ago, maybe four years ago. And for a while, was walking around being like, I'm a Marxist. I'm a Marxist right. because I want to destroy. Nah, I don't want to say I want to destroy. I want to change the way that the internal mechanism of the system works, right? Yeah. And I and I don't think the system is at a stage now where it can fix itself. Agreed. So that makes me a radical, right? Yeah. But 
moving from Marx into further reading, I don't know if you've ever read Ted Kaczynski. Uh, no, and I have not read. Uh, I would highly recommend um, Industrial Society in its future. I, I only read it just pure for forbidden knowledge purposes. Sure. I was just I'm like, interested. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, well, let me see what he has to say. That really had a major impact on me. And I'm a big horseshoe theory guy, right? So I, in my opinion, it was Bernie, who I voted for. Mm-hmm. Same. You know? And it was a much closer jump to go from anti-establishment to anti-establishment versus going all the way up here to Hillary simply because she says she's a leftist, which, I mean, is she? No, 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 no. no, Right? I mean, so it's like, that was, that's my whole thing. And has it turned out the way that I wanted it? No, fuck no. You know, it's, it's turning out much more like Trump is looking like what people were, people like you were saying that he is. I'm glad you you said that because I think a lot of people dig in on that. I think a lot of people made the same jump you did. And I think those are the people that are shaken now. Well, I I don't want to say I'm shaken because it was a, again, it was a, like a, uh, I was betting on a 40 to one horse. You know sure, what I mean? I was sure. like, okay, Hey, there's a chance. Right. 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 <laughs> you know what I mean? And if you're, if you're convinced that the establishment has a chokehold on anything, I could see theoretically how you might think that this is your one chance. Yeah. This is your one. I, shot I understand to that. like deliver such a big blow so that people pull their heads out of their asses. And I do feel like the blow at least was somewhat delivered. I mean, I think that, the wake-up call of Brexit, Trump, that that combo, that was important. And that, that is an important wake-up call to the Western world, for lack of a better term, right? Sure. And there's this thing that is a... Uh, now, I don't necessarily support uh, killing anybody, which sort of like separates me from a lot of radical Marxists. Yeah. Uh, I just think that you force them to give you their money. So yeah, I don't know. Right. We, well, we don't need to argue that. But the uh, point is like Twitter, there's this like theme of jokes. Twitter always tells the same genre of hack jokes like a billion times. And there's this theme of like me in 2013. Boy, I can't wait for Game of Thrones. Me in 2017, the heads of the rich will roll. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's a billion tweets that are like that from every like Twitter personality. Yeah. And I think that that's what you're saying. Like now because of Trump, I think that class consciousness is being like, accelerated into the national consciousness. So in a way, I think that if we get through this, uh, society will be better off. We got a little bit, I do believe, I didn't necessarily believe this hundred percent during the election, but I do now that Trump, if he isn't himself a fascist is be, is in league with a lot of them. Well, I mean, there's Bannon. Yeah. Bannon is a fascist, but here's where we have the same, the same argument that we always have, which is that fascism we have been taught in our brains that fascism is shorthand for evil. Right. But that's not true. Well, that's, yeah, okay. Fascism is a political ideology, and it's not one that says we are, we're just evil. You know, like, that's not, that's not, <laughs> that's not like the fascist, you know, there's a whole uh, world of well-respected thought of Italian fascists that were happening in the 30s that are still respected. I mean, Sebastian Younger, who's actually German, uh, you know, um, Marinetti, these artists, all these guys that were kind of behind this 20s and 30s fascist movement, they were like, uh, return to vitality, you know, return to strength and power and masculinity and shit. And I don't think that that is inherently evil. 
No, sure. Everyone you know? wants a benevolent dictator right. to solve exactly, all their problems. Exactly. And a yeah. benevolent dictator would help in some ways now because we wouldn't be controlled by shadowy fucking banks. The problem is, is, is like, where is the benevolent dictator? Yeah. And, and it wasn't going to be Trump. But Trump was, you know, when demagogues start popping up in your society, like Trump, when that starts happening, when populist demagogues start skipping the line, you know? Sure. Um, that's a sign of a of a potentially terminal disease yeah right? absolutely. And, and i'm like okay well hey at least uh, yeah accelerationism i mean bring it on bring on the fucking disease because hillary if hillary wins all those shadow government entities all those banks all those fucking people are going to just gird themselves harder and deeper into the power structure. Sure. And I guess my argument against that would be that I don't think that four years, hell, even eight years would make as much of a difference. I think that I was, I think that repairing the damage that Trump is doing to the body politic is going to be harder than just a further girded power structure. Because I think that the only way to solve the power structure is through revolution. Not necessarily bloody revolution, but a mass movement of the people. Right. And I think that that's going to be needed no matter what, even after Trump. And I think that now we also have to overcome this deterioration of the body politic where now urban and rural really don't trust each right. other. They yeah, really, yeah, yeah. much of them don't even want to see eye to eye now. No, yeah, and that wasn't Trump. He's a symptom. But I do think that after him, it's going to be, especially if this like Mueller Russia thing picks up and people reject it as fake and stuff. I think that... It's really, we have to then overcome that damage before we can find class solidarity. So I think that in my, from my position, he's setting us back, but I do see how your perspective is one that a radical could embrace. <laughs> 